Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Government will continue pushing forward so that we can deliver real results for Canadians and uphold the principles of publicly funded universal health care that Canadians are so rightly proud of. All right, that's Prime Minister Trudeau with the announcement. You've heard about the money, right? You've seen the headlines. It's something like $27 billion for health care over the next 10 years. A deal struck with the B.C. government and the federal government. What does all that mean, though? I mean, that's the amount that's being touted. Does this make improvements? Does it help you get a doctor and access to the system when you need it? Well, let's talk more about it. Patty Haydu joins us now, the Federal Minister of Indigenous Services. Thank you very much for being here. Hi, to me. Nice to hear your voice. Well, nice to have you because we have so many questions about this. How, how will this improve things for people in B.C.? Like, what does this mean for us? Well, I mean, first of all, this will give an additional financial capacity to the province to be able to modernize uh, data systems, to be able to recruit and retain uh, nurses and doctors, to be able to uh, transform healthcare systems to be more innovative and reduce costs overall, but also improve service. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I mean, this is about making sure that when people need healthcare, they have it, whether they're living in an urban center or whether they're living in a rural center. I come from Northern Ontario, and I can tell you that Healthcare is in the top two things that people talk about up there, um, obviously, with the environment being uh, being a close second or sometimes a first, but they're often intertwined. And so I, I'll just say that uh, this is exciting news for BC. It also will give an opportunity for the government of Canada to work more closely with provinces and territories on, on using data to understand health uh, trends and health impacts across the country. Okay, so what is BC agreeing to by doing this? Like, are there certain things the federal government would like to make sure BC is guaranteeing? Absolutely. So this is an agreement in principle, the broad strokes, if you will, of how the money will flow and and the commitment of the government of Canada to contribute that financial power to BC's work around healthcare. But now the work will begin in really fine-tuning that agreement. And as I said, one of the things that uh, everyone agrees we need to do a better job on is, is data and it's understanding things like health trends. I was the Minister of Health during COVID and I can tell you it was really frustrating all across the board for Canadians to understand just the basics. Who was getting sick? What neighbourhoods seemed to have more uh, propensity to catching COVID? What could we do better if we had had better data? And how could we have targeted our interventions better? That's just one example of, of the use of data. But the other thing is to keep track, to keep track of Um, whether or not we're making progress. I mean, one of the things you'll hear probably from people that you speak to all the time is the lack of access to primary care. And nobody should go without doctors or healthcare professionals in their lives. And so we'll be keeping um, close tabs on wait times for people that are um, seeking to access uh, primary care services and urgent care services. Right. Okay. So this agreement then has what one-time funding, right? To specifically look at funding urgent needs for emergency rooms and surgeries. And, And so you, the federal government wants a measurement of that. That's right. I mean, there's a there's a there's a one time component, but it's really about a commitment over over a decade, and it's about again strengthening our healthcare system. The money's an important tool, no no doubt about it, but it's not just money that's going to 
result in the kinds of outcomes that we want to see. Mental health is another area that, um, you know, everyone across the country is struggling with um, how best to treat mental health, how we can actually get people the right kinds of services at the right kinds of times and prevent people from uh, who are experiencing distress from uh, from getting worse. Uh, we're all struggling with what to do about the scourge of opioid overdose. And this is something BC has been leading the way on, by the way, in terms of um, looking at innovative ways to help people stay alive who are using uh, really dangerous substances and, and hopefully get people closer to treatment or supports that will reduce that problematic use. And all of that stuff has to be tracked and measured so that we know what's working. Because it's, it's futile in a way to keep repeating things that aren't working. This gives us an opportunity to agree on what kind of data we'll collect and how we'll use it. And how will the federal government help BC kind of get more internationally trained, you know, doctors, nurses in our province? Well, you know, that's the work really of the province and the colleges that are, are the ones that license doctors, nurses, and other healthcare professionals. This money will give them additional uh, flexibility and tools to be able to support that work. But at the end of the day, the province and the, the colleges of nurses and physicians and uh, allied healthcare workers will have to determine uh, with the province how best to make sure that people that have those skills can quickly trans transfer their skills and get accredited here in BC. It's different all across the country. Uh, the process in Ontario is, you know, they have their own colleges and nurses. And, and in fact, the province of Ontario or the province of uh, PEI, they all have their own, their own um, protocols around how to make sure that internationally trained people have the uh, capacity to practice in Canada. Right. So we have to do that more quickly. That's for sure. Are there measurements then, you talked about underserved communities, rural communities, and I'm, I assume Indigenous communities are included in there. Are there measures to track the effectiveness there as well? That's, that's certainly our hope as we work through these negotiations, that we'll be able to start to measure things like equity of access to care. So you mentioned urban and rural, and there's a divide there. I mean, no, no doubt about it. Even people in urban communities have a hard time finding a doctor, particularly if they've had one and their doctor retires and they're, they're left as a stranded patient. But in rural communities and remote communities, it's often hard to attract professionals in those regions that want to stay or, uh, you know, uh, have enough professionals to be able to care for people with complex medical needs. So that'll be part of the focus. I think uh, you asked about Indigenous people. There's a set aside of $2 billion that's separate from the provincial transfers. And that $2 billion is a, what we're calling a uh, health equity fund that will uh, be designed with Indigenous partners to um, continue the work that Indigenous partners, especially like here in BC through the First Nations Health Authority, are pursuing around uh, Indigenous ways of ensuring healthcare access and focusing on keeping people healthy. And I think we have a lot to learn from our Indigenous partners, actually, and I'm pretty excited about what will come from that fund. Is there a similarity then with what what the federal government is doing with other provinces? Like this is an agreement with BC, but I know there have been other provinces that are signing on as well, right? There will be similar strands, yes. And, you know, I've spoken about data a lot this morning, and that will be one of the, the themes of the agreement. There's a second theme around increasing access and, and um, uh, effectiveness of mental health supports and services. Each bilateral agreement will have its own unique particularities because each province is in a different place and has different challenges and different strengths. But there are some similar trends, yes, that we're looking for overall and that the premiers have agreed would be valuable. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time on that. Thank you very much, Simi. Really appreciate the conversation. 
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.